poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Chasing Poker Greatness with your host, Brad Wilson. Welcome, 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 my friend, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. As always, this is your host, the founder of ChasingPokerGreatness.com, Coach Brad Wilson. And today's guest on CPG is a leading expert in the mental game of performance and the author of a poker classic you may have heard of, The Mental Game of Poker, the one and only Jared Tendler. This will be Jared's third greatness bomb dropping visit on a CPG so if you've somehow missed rounds one and two, I'd highly suggest you visit the back catalog and rectify that mistake. In today's conversation, you're going to hear Jared and I discuss the ins and outs of his brand new video course, Mental Game Tune-Up for Tournament Poker, which you can pick up and get a $50 discount by using the code CPG right now at jaredtindler.com. If you don't want to hop on over to jaredtindler.com and slam your money down on the counter at this exact moment, don't worry, your faithful podcast host, Press Jared, into giving away tips and tactics I believe will be immensely helpful to pretty much anyone on their poker journey. And in today's conversation with Jared Tindler, you're also going to learn all about the riddle wrapped in a mystery inside of an enigma, the co-author of The Mental Game of Poker, Barry Carter. Up until this conversation, Barry had kept the depths of his soul as a secret unto himself, but no longer. So now, without any further ado, I bring to you a friend of the CPG podcast, the OG mental game and high-performance poker coach, the great Jared Tindler. Mr. Tindler, welcome back to Chasing Poker Greatness, sir. How you been? Brad? Yeah, good to see you, man. It's been a while. Yeah? I guess it hasn't. I don't know. I don't know. At the yeah, time, not that long. I have no sense of space or time. Um, we're in 2021. It's like almost over at this point. And that's confusing to me because it seems like it just turned 2021. So, <laughs> you know, I, now that I've moved to four episodes a week, um, all of the content and everything just blurs together at this point for me. Um, but it's really great having you. It's always a pleasure just getting to getting to talk to the OG mental game of poker guy. I old too. I actually <laughs> did just turn 43 this week. So uh, yeah, the, the age is starting to creep up on all of us, I suppose. Right. But yeah, it's interesting in poker that feeling old and actually being old are kind of separate things. You know, like I think of Galfond as being <laughs> like a poker dinosaur, but he's like 35 years old, you know, I, I've been in poker almost two decades and I'm only 37, right? It's like, I think of myself as old, but relatively speaking, I don't think we're all that old. Um, but to start out this show, I'm going to ask you, what's something the CPG audience would be surprised to learn that you are horrible at? Hmm. I mean, I'm a horrible reader. Really? Um, yeah. I mean, I, it turns out I'm dyslexic. Um, didn't know that for most of my life. So yeah, reading has always been a challenge. I, I think it's kind of funny that I've written three books. Um, I don't think I've, I've only read three books since I, since I wrote those three. I think that that would be, uh, but it's not like I, I don't read, you know, 10 books a year. I mean, I probably, 
you know, I'm in like the three to five range. I've, I've been getting more into audible and listening to books is way easier, you know? So that that's, that's been really helpful. And my daughter is now at an age where, you know, she doesn't want me to read to her anymore in bed. So she actually reads and I read next to her. It's kind of, it's kind of nice. So, you know, it's found in like 20 minutes, of, uh, you know, every other day to start reading. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm a horrible reader. Um, I, I learn in lots of different ways, but just, straight reading is not, not super easy for me. I, I find my brain wants to kind of bounce around. I'll, you know, flip back and forth um, in sections. And sometimes I'm not going to read backwards. It's not like I'm, you know, but I will, it, and it's not like I need to know the end, you know, result either. It's just, I think my, my brain kind of needs to have more context for me to be able to dive in. Like I can't just kind of like learn in a very sequential manner. So yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I, I would not have guessed that. Um, does that make the, does your dyslexia make the writing process more difficult? I mean, I guess you have no basis of comparison, only, only Barry Carter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, knows, knows the true, uh, well, and, and my writing partner, uh, Beth in this for the trading book, I, I I'm sure it makes the whole process harder. I, I think, so what, what, if, if anybody out there is dyslexic, um, or knows somebody that is, they have to get the book the dyslexic advantage. Um, it's ironic that I learned a lot from a book about dyslexia, <laughs> but you know, there we are. But the, um, uh, the, 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 one of the, one of the things that I really learned, I mean, it was like basically like reading, you know, my life story, right. In, in that book. And I think one of the things that was, was really, really fascinating was that, um, I am really good as are, are a lot of people that have dyslexia. Uh, I'm really good at understanding subtle patterns in complex systems. So, you know, there are some engineering firms that only hire people with dyslexia. Wow. Now, they hire copy editors to proofread every email that gets sent. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of like the engineering, right, that there's just like my brain is just different. This, the dyslexic brain is just different. And so when it comes to writing, you know, I, I think I, I, ha I have a very difficult time you know, thinking about things in, in sequence, um, my, my system, I kind of have always envisioned in three dimensions. And so trying to create, uh, you know, trying to communicate a three dimensional system in two dimensional space is really hard. And so, yes, I think for that reason, the writing process is very difficult. However, once I'm able to actually do that, then my brain is like super excited because now I've got all this new space freed up to create like a kind of a whole new, you know, it's kind of system around it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, not to mention like the, the learning process just stays really agile. So it, I've done a poor job of it in the last few years. We kind of alluded to this in the last time I was on, you know, it took me three years to write the trading book. And so for me, I need to have these projects like as an ongoing, just part of my day-to-day week-to-week um, and if I do that, then I will stay more agile and I think, you know, be able to kind of keep my performance at a, at a higher level more consistently. So, um, you know, it's kind of a long way around answering the question, which is probably symptomatic of what we're talking about. So, <laughs> um, do you mean like the, you, you have to keep these things like ongoing so that you don't get rusty so that you're in the habit of thinking in this way and it's just, um, easier than putting it down and picking it up like six months or a year down the road? No, more so that, um, for me to be at my absolute best, which is a priority for me regularly. Like I, I, I like to be great, whether it's as a coach, whether it's as a writer, whether it's as a, as a, a, a golfer, right. The things that I really ca I care a lot about as a father, as a husband, but right? things I really care about 
um, I want to be great at. So what I've realized is that you know in the phase between writing the second poker book and the trading book, there's about I guess technically seven years until they were published, but four years where I just wasn't actively like creating content. At that point, my coaching business had really kind of blossomed and you know, there was new trading opportunities and I got involved with Team Liquid and there was just like a lot of expansion from a coaching standpoint, but not a lot of expansion from a content creation standpoint. And what I've realized is that for my brain to stay as agile, agile as I want, to be continually learning and innovating and growing, I need that space. And the writing process, you know, is, is just like an essential part of that. Uh, and it could be as simple as, you know, so I've restructured my my day to day where um, now after every coaching session, I have a 20 minute break before it was only 10 minutes. And in 10 minutes, it's like kind of enough to take a couple quick notes down about that client, you know, go to the bathroom, you know, get some water, come back and then prep for the next one. It wasn't really a great cycle. Now I have, you know, between five and 10 minutes where I can take the ideas that I kind of came up with from that session, things that I think are important nuggets that I want to kind of carry forward. I don't know what I'm going to do with them yet, but, you know, um, I've started using um, a, a system called Room Research, which is very much like Evernote, but it's like Evernote on steroids um, because it creates the ability to like link through in a much more agile and dynamic way. Um, and so like that system has been really fun for being able to organize my content in a way that is just a lot more dynamic. And so, yeah, like that, that structure you know, kind of keeps me agile. Now, you know, it kind of turned into the, the the video course that you know I'm sure we'll talk about at some point. It you know, I'm, I'm beginning to work on my next book project. You know, I'm going to work on a trading video course. You know, so those are the three big ones. But there's always, you know, like a desire for my um, my business to be running more efficiently. So there's just learnings and lessons on lots of different levels. And you know, I, I think one of the biggest problems I've had in the last decade has just been disorganization. Uh, and so, you know, my my big priority over the next six weeks is get really, really organized so that my systems are in place so that I can, you know, as I said, kind of have all the top end, you know, kind of personal performance, professional performance that I want to have. You're, you're kind of blowing my mind right now, Mr. Tindler, because <laughs> I just realized, like, there's a lot of carryover in one-to-one -one private coaching that I have with my students and, like, we solve problems sort of on the fly and we think about things and sometimes a solution to a problem that one student has carries over to like multiple students. And I just realized how important it is giving yourself that break so that you can take notes on the session that you, that just concluded so that these like bits of information don't just fly out of my brain. And then I remember them like six months down the road and I was like, Oh, that was a great idea. Why the hell did I not uh, write that down or have it somewhere where I could, you know, go back and reflect on it or maybe even expand on it because, you know, these ideas as you have them, a lot of times they merit expansion and even more reflection. And yeah, that's just uh, very intelligent and something that I'm going to be incorporating into my private coaching moving forward is like, yeah, I need a place to write these ideas down because trying to carry them around, you know, you mentioned brain bloat uh, in our last conversation too. And that's something that will contribute to brain brain bloat, right? Um, and what's cool, and I mean, you know, maybe Rome Research is too advanced right now for you, but like it's, if you get into it, it's it's super cool because part of it is that you can take notes on a day-to-day -day basis and then create these tags. And so then all of a sudden, like 
from a day-to-day standpoint, you can kind of have like the stream of consciousness, like, all right, here was session one, here's session two, session three. But then these tags create like pages that then can be related to, all right, well, here was, you know, a bunch of device on these board textures on, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, and, and then, you know, so let's say you talked about that five times over the course of a month, there's another page that's automatically created about that board texture. But then you also don't have to worry about creating that in the moment because, you know, you're just doing it sequentially throughout the day. So it just, again, it's been a while since I used Evernote. I know that a lot of people like that, but um, yeah, Rome Research, uh, worth it. It's like 15 bucks a month. It's like, it's it's no brainer if you, you get some utility out of it. Yeah, I mean, that's basically free, like 15 bucks yeah. a month. Um, you've mentioned a word a couple of times uh, I'd like to ask you about, agile, you know, so that your brain stays agile. Could you tell me what agile means to you? I would say it's it's speed, um, like the, the, the speed with which I can think about an idea, um, the clarity with which I'm able to like present it, talk about it. I know that I'm getting a little bit bloated when I start to get dumber. Um, it's just harder for me to explain myself. You know, I'm not, and I'm not talking about like in personal situations where, you know, I'm trying to explain concepts that I'm not super familiar with. I'm talking about from a professional capacity where like, yeah, me at my absolute best requires speed in this, in the way in which that I'm able to, uh, yeah, in the way that I'm able to describe things and then clarity in being able to present it in a way for that person to be able to understand. And when it comes to coaching, you know, I have a, a sense of it, like a, the, the dynamics of a person, what their interests are, where their, where their perspective is as a poker player, as a trader, whomever. Um, and I'm able to kind of use that information to very quickly adapt how I'm going to present something for, you know, the intent, the, the intent is maximum, uh, you know, kind of uh, potency, right? It's going to land and hit them in a way that's going to have the effect that we want. And, you know, being able to quickly distinguish a presentation that is slightly different for five different people, right, to me is, is being very agile, right? It's, it's, in some respects, like being in the zone, having that intuitive sense of, you know, what that direction is, not something I'm like pre-planning, but in the moment I can do it, you know, spontaneously. And, you know, when my brain is a little bit more full and I don't have that kind of, you know, clarity or agility, you know, it doesn't land quite as well. I'm, it's slower to come out. Um, sometimes I'll even kind of preload, you know, the presentation and say, you know, I'm not going to get this out exactly as I want, but, you know, just kind of hang with me for a second and eventually I'll get there. Yeah. Right? You're qualifying. Not, yeah, exactly. I'm just, I'm just, you know, uh, making it okay that I'm not quite a, quite on the ball. Um, and it works. It's fine. People are, you know, they're, they're engaged, but you know, I can do better. Right. I mean, it's just effective communication, right? Which is like most of our job as coaches is communicating effectively to the person that we're trying to impact and reach and different people are reached in different ways. And, you know, you kind of have to like read the situation as you know, in my, in my experience as a poker player, read them, how they think about the world, what resonates with them and then relate uh, to them poker strategy in ways that I believe will hit the mark. Um, All right. So Let's talk about this video course that you got going on. I, I have some other talking points as well um, after this, but you've been, you, you built out a video course. Is this a first uh, video course that you've made? So I've done a lot of videos in the past. Um, you know, Learn WPT has been a source for the last, I want to say four years where I've 
produce regular content, 10, 15 minute videos, very topical. Um, you know, go back in the day to card runners and stocks poker, um, uh, drag the bar. Uh, you know, I've, I've kind of made my way around, um, you know, to different uh, training sites. Some of them have had like kind of themes around them, but this is kind of the first course that I would say, right? So there's eight modules, eight topics within each module. There's like a concept video where I'm kind of explaining some theoretical kind of important key points. Then there's a practical video where I'm actually walking you through the creation of a tool or a worksheet that's important. And then there are two coaching videos, um, Matt Affleck and Diego Ventura. Uh, it goes by Di Ventura uh, online. He's ranked like, I think, 25th, 27th, uh, you know, on pocket fives. These are clients that I've worked with for years. And this was the first time that I kind of flipped the script. Usually when clients come to me, they're the ones that are kind of dictating the direction, right? They tell me what their goals are. They tell me what they want to accomplish. And then I do my best to achieve those outcomes. In this case, I said to them, hey, we're going to talk about these eight topics and we're going to go through and create these tools. And I'm going to coach you through them. And they lasted between 20 and 40 minutes, you get to actually kind of watch that process. So, you know, um, yes, this is kind of the first time I've ever created a course with a very, very intended outcome, which is basically to help tournament poker players get ready for tournament series, right? Uh, WCOOP, WSOP, obviously WSOP is coming right now. I launched it just on the heels of WCOOP, but listen, timing is what it is, right? Um, this course is going to be out for years. And um, so the main purpose is when I've, worked with clients for years, right? And helping them get ready for tournament series like this, right? This, this is the stuff that we talk about. I mean, there's eight modules. The first module is about goal setting, right? It's the most important thing. Also the thing that poker players are really poor at, right? And there's a lot of confusion around what makes good goals. You know, I kind of break down some of the misconceptions there. Well, second, <laughs> so uh, I don't want you to give away the farm, but okay. <laughs> uh, let, what, what are the mistakes that people that poker players tend to make as it relates to goal setting? Just top I mean, level. Yeah, top level, you, you swing in too far in either direction around, you know, result goals, right? In terms of how much money you want to make, the fact that you want to win bracelets or titles. Some are too kind of gun shy. They don't want to do it because if they fall short, then it will feel like a failure. Others only do that. And then there's no sense of like how you're actually going to accomplish that, right? So there is this sort of blend between, yeah, put a stake in the ground, say this is what you want and go after it with, with like, you know, full effort and intent. Now, to kind of balance things a little bit, we have you set, you know, multiple of those goals, right? What would be the minimum that you'd want to accomplish, you know, in this tournament series? And, you know, it, it will keep you motivated if things go poorly, right? You brick the first 10 events, you know, you're down in the series, you still have something you can connect to and feel strongly about. And that, and that, that connection actually is, is I, I think, like the really most important thing. Sometimes poker players will just kind of half-ass and say, yeah, I want to, you know, win the main. Okay. You need to be really connected to it. That's the whole point of this. We don't want to set things that are obvious, right? Write down things, come up with things that are very important to you. And, you know, for a lot of my clients who have been successful, that oftentimes means that money is not necessarily the primary driver anymore, right? They want to, you know, uh, you know let's say win player of the year. Uh, they want to uh, feel like for themselves that they are playing at their absolute best at final tables in big moments, um, that their focus is a lot better because they've realized they've, you know, been too attached to their phone and, you know, other things that are, 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 you know, kind of taking away from their focus. Um, so, you know, the, 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 like what you want, 
you need to be connected to. Otherwise, it's not going to drive your motivation. It's not going to drive your energy, which is then going to drive your focus. Everything kind of gets organized. All your activities around the series, you know, is, is really organized around your goals. Yeah. And you mentioned flexibility, which I think is especially important with goal setting because you want like there to be a spectrum of, you know, something that is low level achievable and then something that's on the higher end of the spectrum. Uh, this is, you know, when I run my elites program once every six months or so in my group, you know, we set goals with a spectrum of outcomes because basically I, we don't want to feel bad about missing the goal, um, in a small way, but we also want to push ourselves to try to reach the upper limits as well. And so like sometimes just shit doesn't go right. And a week is you, you have an off week, even if you're trying to perform at your absolute peak and hitting the bottom end of your like volume goal. If, if the, say the weekly goal is like 4,000 to 10,000 and you play 4,500, well, you can still feel like, okay, we, we hit our goal. Um, even though it wasn't at the top end, and you just don't feel bad if you set like a goal of 8,000 hands and you play 4,500, you're going to feel bad. Um, your confidence is going to lower, your motivation is going to lower leading into the next week. And it's going to just feel like hell on earth. So, you know, for the listener right now, try to set, try to set your goals with flexibility in mind where, you know, you can hit the mark, still, still feel good about the work that you've done and still aim to do more moving forward. Yeah, because the, the consistency is really the key generally, right? Like when you have that low end target there, you're not saying that that's what you want long term. You're saying that's what I can reasonably assume I can do if things go poorly, right? And it still gives you a chance to kind of suck less and push yourself to be a little bit better at times that are difficult. Um, and, and doing that kind of week over week means that, yeah, it becomes easier to kind of establish that baseline. And then it becomes easier for you to climb higher than that, right? And, and, and work through some of the trouble spots that might, you know, make it harder to put in the volume or have the results you want. Absolutely. In a world where a fish dog bets the flop and you don't know what to do, one man Coach Brad Wilson. has a surefire plan to neutralize flop leads and rip that dunk to shreds. Nuffle. Available now. Go to chasingpokergreatness.com slash Nuffle. Rated R. You mentioned, I think it was eight modules. How long are these modules like individually? Yeah, so I don't know, like the breakout, but there's there's three and a half hours of those concept and kind of practical videos. Basically, just like me, you know, kind of talking to you, uh, working through, uh, you know, each of those eight different topics. And then there's about uh, eight and a half hours of the actual coaching uh, with Matt and Diego. Um, so that's kind of the bulk of the kind of the practicality, uh, practical side of it. But, um, you know, it's really 13 and a half hours total. In my mind, it's very, very condensed and consolidated. Like, I think one of the biggest features of the, the, the course itself is that it is a lot of material in small space. So you can, don't have to spend hours you know, trying to uh, prepare yourself that that's sort of the antithesis of what the course is really about. And I think one of the one of the greatest features aside from, you know, the coaching videos, which I've never released coaching videos like this before, right? That's the first time uh, that I've done that. Um, but I think one of the coolest features is that, you know, when I when I'm preparing clients for these tournament series, it's not like we go through all eight topics before they go play, right? Really, it's those first two, it's like, set your goals, know your game. Those are the two most important. We do that every single time. 
But then the remaining six topics, right, with, uh, you know, addressing emotional issues, tilt, fear, et cetera, avoiding burnout, right, and creating uh, solid routines, getting in the zone more often, uh, handling uh, pressure, uh, improving focus, and improving decision-making, those six topics, we kind of pick and choose based on where their game is right now. For you to be well-prepared, you need to know where your game is at. You need to know what you need to be better in this tournament series. And, and that kind of like kind of choose your own adventure makes the course something that you can use again and again before every tournament series. And, you know, it's going to be a little bit different. Like how you're going to use it is going to be a little bit different each time around. I would say ideally that somebody would watch the entire thing at some point. So you kind of have a sense as to like what like is being talked about. But then as you go to prepare, you know, you're going to get, get a chance to kind of walk through and update these tools and worksheets that, you know, need to be refined and upgraded because there is a constant evolution for your game tactically, just as there is mentally. So, you know, what you need for, to prepare for this world series, you know, is going to be different than what you need to, to prepare for, you know, the next uh, Seminole hard rock or the next, you know, WPT, like your game ought to be evolving. If that's not the case, then, you know, that's a bigger problem. And the course is designed in a way to kind of absorb all that and, you know, make it very agile. How does, you know, for the CPG listener, how do you determine, or is there a process for determining what you most need to upgrade in your game? So it's to your discretion, right? But when I'm focused on, you know, with a client, right? The fir- first and foremost, you need to make sure that you're well-prepared to protect your ass. Right. Your C game needs to be understood. And so you're going to get a a kind of a gauge as to whether or not, um, you know, let's say tilt or fear is like a bigger issue. And so the odds that those problems are going to cause your C game is greater than the benefits that would come from being in the zone more often. You know, so you kind of weigh that cost benefit and, you know, it could be the opposite right now. It's like, oh, no, I, I, I actually made some really great strides in handling tilt. Now I feel like I want to push my A game farther. So let me, you know, get in the zone more often. Let me handle pressure better. Let me improve my focus or my decision-making, right? Those become the things that are going to kind of push things forward. So I think you're really trying to get a sense as to what you need more. Do you need to protect your ass more or is it time to, you know, kind of expand the front end? Do you think there's room for like collecting data on this based on like how you feel throughout your poker session, making marks, taking notes in a journal, something like that. That's like, because I think sometimes, you know, it's hard for us to sort of intuitively know where our biggest need is as poker players. If we're not tracking the data, just because like we were talking about before, we have to hold all these things in our brain and, you know, things seep out, you forget. Uh, So I mean, I think so people cash game players has asked me like, you know, could I use this course? And I think the way the, the way that it could be used would be on a, like a quarterly basis. Right. And I think what, what happens if you do that, then you become like a tournament player that is going to use this thing series over series, quarter over quarter to give yourself that, that kind of hard check self-reflection and time to look at it. But in, in the space kind of between that, right. Yeah. You're taking notes and you're getting feedback on what is most important the more you kind of go through these cycles, the easier it will be to kind of know yourself. I think the biggest mistake that players make, and I think this is one of the, one of the reasons why I wanted to make this course too, is that the mental game kind of becomes the thing that they focus on when there are problems, right? Not the kind of thing that they're focusing on on a regular basis. And I'm not saying that you have to prioritize it because, you know, improving technically is always more important, 
you know, mentally until the mental game becomes the bigger problem, right? But if you're doing both, you know, at all times, sometime the mental game becomes, you know, you just need to reflect more to understand what you need to, to improve on over the next, you know, few months. But if you're focusing on a, on a regular basis, you develop enough competency that those questions become a lot easier, right? What do I need is an easier question to answer when, you know, you've been focusing on it week over week. Absolutely. And also you can, you know, outsource it to a coach or performance trainer or somebody else that has insights into how you think and how you're the things that you're struggling with and what they think is like the lowest hanging fruit that will make the most impact for you to just focus on. What's the name uh, of your course? I don't think we've, we've said the name yet. The, uh, the mental game tune up for tournament poker. That's uh, a <laughs> perfectly descriptive, the mental game <laughs> tune up for tournament poker. Yeah. I mean, it's really designed as a, as a preparation tool, I think. So I, I, I worked on this with Diego prior to WCOOP. Um, he actually had a great WCOOP. He, he won an event, finished, I think, second one, another one, maybe two other ones, but very profitable. But with Matt, it was all in preparation for, for WSOP, which meant that we actually like completed the course, I think, like four to six weeks before the series started. And he was he could not have been more excited to be that well prepared that far in advance, because then it gave him the ability to really start to kind of hone the strategies and systems and work on some areas of his technical game that, you know, he kind of realized in the, in the process like needed to be worked on. So, and I think one of the things that, that's important is like, you know, how much time do you need? Right. I mean, here we are a week out before the world series. Um, a week is still enough time to go through the first couple modules, maybe pick one other topic that you want to go through. If you got two or three days, you know, you can still watch a few videos, get your sense of it, and then maybe use like the first week of the series as a point where you're still kind of continuing to work on some of this stuff. Um, but I would say ideally, right. And so in future series, uh, or again, for, t- for cash game players, right. Take a couple weeks to go through the material, you know, in a much more kind of slow and methodical manner or, you know, take six weeks, do, you know, or eight weeks, do a module a week for a little while just to get yourself kind of fully, um, uh, you know, kind of connected to the material. Um, and then, you know, from there, then it, I, I think once you have a sense of what's there, a uh, couple of days, pick and choose here and there, uh, it should be fairly easy for you to effectively kind of tune your game up. Right. So basically, I mean, the best time to start would be just whenever you can, right? Like as yeah. soon as you can to start the process. Unless you're in the middle the of a series. Unless you're in the sure. middle of the series, I'd say, you know, it, it might be too self-reflective. If, if in the middle of WSOP, you're going to take a week off, or you're going to take three or four days off. Sure. You want to start then? That's fine. But I think by and large, one of the advice I give in, in tournament series is um, you really have to diminish the amount you're learning, right? Your job is to perform. It's not really to learn. Right. And, you know, this is, it's more proactive, it sounds more proactive than reactive, right? So, you, you know, I <laughs> a funny story about myself. So, I have a minor addiction to pumpkin spice lattes at Starbucks <laughs> during the fall. Um, so this, this is, is your this is your your golden time now. Yeah, this is my a shameful um, admission on my podcast. But forever, you know, this it's just something funny about me. I would just go to Starbucks and stand in line and order my 
pumpkin spice latte and come home. Right. And it took probably like 20 minutes or so for the whole 20 to 30 minutes for the whole ordeal. And every time I got there, I would think to myself, I'd see the people whizzing in the door and whizzing out and think, ah, I really need the app. Like I need to download the app, but I'm already here and sitting in line. So I just didn't do it. Right. And the only time I was reminded was when I would go in the door and stand in line and I'm like, I really need the app. And then one day I was like, I'm just going to download this stupid ass Starbucks app. And I did. And now the experience is much easier. Um, and, and it's just, it's always more evident that you need to do something when you need it. Um, and it's not always super evident before you need it. And I think that, you know, your course is something that is needed before you know you need it. But then when it is needed, it's very obvious that you need it and how impactful it is. Um, that's a really good point. I think that you're going to help me with my sales. Um, so I, I probably will do more marketing during the WSOP than I realized. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, I hey, mean, burned out. Well, next time let's avoid it. And here you go. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Pretty easy selling point. But I mean, I, I think yeah. this is how like lots of people live their lives. And I, I mean, I'm guilty of it. I'm sure you're guilty of it. And lots of people are like, I should have done that beforehand. And then just kind of out of sight, out of mind. And you know, when you prepare, things just tend to go much better and much more smoothly. You, you can't solve a problem right when it's in front of you all the time. You need to take time to deal with it before burnout becomes an issue, right? Because when you're burned out, you can't just resolve it instantly, right? It's something that needs to be worked on beforehand. Avoiding it would have been, would have been a, lot, a lot better. Exactly, exactly. So my next talking point here revolves around Barry Carter, just because I, I like Barry Carter. Um, I and I, I, I like making fun of him too. See, we, <laughs> everybody hey, likes listen. Barry Carter, likes making fun of him as well. Well, and, and that's because he does also. Sure. He, he gives as good as he gets and that's what makes it, uh, exactly. enjoyable. Um, so I was just going to ask you, what are, what are some like behind the scenes stories about Mr. Barry Carter that maybe he wouldn't want to be talked about on a podcast? Oh God. Well, I mean, uh, he has, uh, you know, a rather large obsession with his dog. Um, I think a lot of dog owners do, but he's got, you know, I mean, Charlie was a, a good boy. Um, no, I mean, <laughs> he uh, has an incredibly boring life. Yeah. I mean, living, <laughs> living in England is as tough as it is. Right. But yeah, I mean, there's really not much to talk about it because <laughs> that, that little going on, I think he goes for walks in the park and uh, I'm pretty sure that he talks to a lot of strangers. Um, although at this point they're probably not strangers anymore. Uh, <laughs> Last time I had him on, he was sitting in his house and I was like, yeah, you're, you're enjoying that mental game of poker money in your house. He's like, <laughs> he's like, actually, yeah, that, that did pay for this house. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. The gift that keeps on giving. Uh, all right. So that that's our story break for Barry Carter, Carter and <laughs> you guys are good friends. Very boring. He talks to random people and loves his dog and lives in England. And that's, that's about all there is to Barry Carter. Um, yeah, I, I, I think he also is playing more poker these days. I think, um, uh, you know, Dara has, has really kind of uh, encouraged him um, uh, maybe wrongly so that he should be playing more <laughs> poker. Um, but, you know, apparently he's, you know, he's won a, won a couple uh, shekels over there and, um, yeah, but I, 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 his poker game still can't be that much better than mine. Well, which is not saying much. Well, I mean, you know, it's not as if he writes multiple books on the subject and tries, no, tries not. really, really hard, you know? Well, I mean, I think he's, he's trying to stay consistent with the theme of, uh, you know, poker author that, um, is not very good at poker. Yeah. That's, it, it's a, he's got to just, he's typecast 
at yeah, this point. Exactly. Um, so for folks that are that are going to the WSOP, any actionables for them to take before they or while they're in the middle of their journey? Imagine they hit burnout or they hit some snag, some performance issue right in the middle. Any tips for them? I think the the, the most important thing by like by a mile is to at least know your C game, right? Know the big mistakes that you are likely to make when you would get burned out, when you're tired at the end of the day, when you're a bit tilted, when you're euphoric, right? And, you know, had a big rush of, you know, uh, doubling up a couple of times within, you know, even a level or two. What are the mistakes that you're going to, what are the big mistakes that you're likely to make? And those could be game selection mistakes as well, right? Playing in buy-ins you don't belong in rebuying more than you had intended get a sense of what your big mistakes are because at a minimum you don't want to beat yourself that that's the thing that is the most frustrating the most annoying and you know very often the most costly so if you understand kind of what those common mistakes are i'm not saying that it's going to be easy to avoid them but at least you have a fighting chance you said it earlier right it's super hard to stop problems you know if you're not a little bit prepared to look out for them right and so uh, understanding where these are most likely to show up, what they are, right? You know, you're going to get too loose preflop. Uh, you're going to get too passive, you know, on the river, you know, big river decisions. You're going to kind of chicken out and, you know, fold in spots that, yeah, there is more variance there. But you know what? If you want to win, you got to push those edges and and take a chance to make something happen. Otherwise, you're just going to, you know, bleed yourself to uh, to oblivion. So understanding what those mistakes are gives you a fighting chance to avoid them. And, you know, I think another big benefit, you know, we were talking about goal setting before of going through that process is that at a minimum, if you have prepared yourself for what you need to do to achieve your goals, right? If you prepared yourself to improve your C game and you're able to do that, regardless of what happens monetarily or result-wise in the series, you'll have the ability to be better, to be a better player. And if you can use the series to be a better player, then, you know, series over series, like, it's just going to happen, right? You're going to get more and more opportunities to win tournaments, to win bracelets. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think sometimes players, again, get kind of too focused on, you know, what's right in front of them and trying to capitalize on the opportunity that's right there. And I'm not saying don't, don't do that, but don't do that at the expense of your future too. If you're well-prepared, and at, the, at this point, very minimal, minimally, you know, around your C game, if you're prepared to improve in that space, and that's that part of your game, and you can make yourself a better player, then you do two things, right? You make it harder for you to get beaten, you make it easier for you to play better in those spots. And that occurs in the future too. You're better now and you're better in the future. I don't know. I mean, that, that uh, poker players are trying to maximize EV. Well, I mean, it's, it's harder to maximize your EV more than that, being able to kind of do multiple things at once. Yeah, I mean, it, it chains together and something that I've learned in private coaching sessions is like anything that student learns, it's not like they just get to use it the next session they play. They get to use it for the rest of their lives, right? Which means that there's just long-term downstream benefits to consistently upgrading your tactical game and consistently upgrading your mental game and your performance at the tables as well. You mentioned burnout. I, I'd like to ask about that because... Burnout to me, I, I just kind of realized burnout is it's when you are not able to recover, right? You're just fundamentally, you are exhausted, you're mentally fatigued, you're tired, and you just can't bring it, you, you can't get yourself put together enough to 
recover and keep moving forward. And I think recovery is just kind of key for all poker players in their poker journeys. It's like fundamental number one thing that once you're a winning poker player, you need to really focus on how you're able to recover in the macro and the micro, right? So the macro is like getting good sleep at night, expending energy, going to the gym, training, keeping your body strong and your mind strong. And then in the in the micro, it's you take a bad beat and now not punting your stack away whenever you went from like 60 big blinds to like 13 big blinds and you know just keeping it together and you're able to mentally recover, switch gears and use a different strategy and just make the best decisions you can in this new paradigm that you find yourself in. And traveling for me specifically is pretty hard. I, I don't know about other people, but for me, it takes a toll like on my body specifically. I'm just fatigued. I'm in a new place. It just typically takes me 24 to 48 hours just to like get my bearings and get back to like cognitively how I normally am. For folks that travel around the country or the world playing in these tournaments, how would you suggest they're better able to put a system of recovery in place? I mean, it's okay. So you're always going to start with where you're at now. I think the big mistake is that people try to do too much at, at once. So, you know, look at where your routine is around travel um, and, and, you know, look for some small things that you can improve on, right. Kind of iterate on. Um, so I'll, I'll give you a few examples of what you can do, but if you're that person, right. You know, you don't take all of this, right. Pick and choose what you think might help. So for one, look at the amount of energy that you're burning just in through the process, right? So a lot of times there's added stress because of you know, not planning enough in advance, right? In terms of how much time you're going to leave before the airport, what you're going through. So, you know, by and large, I'd say like add more time, you know, to the, to the overall travel, right? I think a lot of times the, the expectation is that all of it's going to go smoothly and perfectly when, you know, and then that creates added stress when things don't go right. And, and, and either there are delays, uh, or, you know, getting to the airport, going through, uh, security, et cetera, uh, getting food, whatever. Think about the amount of energy that you're burning kind of going through all of that process. Um, and, and if there's added stress, right, then you're burning more of it, which means that you're going to need to recover more of it on the other side. So I'd say add more time, you know, to your gauge and then maybe do a bit more, uh, you know, uh, start, start preparing, you know, kind of farther in advance in terms of packing and what you're going to need to bring, you know, once you get places, you know, I guess the other thing you do is, is planning, like staying in, at hotels that are close to things that you need. So if you want to get your uh, pumpkin spice latte, you're staying at a, at a hotel that either has a Starbucks or has one close. Um, you know, if you it, having a gym in the hotel is important to you, or if you need a bigger gym, staying at one that's closer by, right? Just being a little bit more thoughtful around where you're going to get uh, food, uh, where you're going to be able to uh, work out um, in advance so that, you know, you can get your bearings and your routine set once you're there. I, I think it's important to kind of unpack as soon as you get there, right? Start to feel like you can create kind of a routine and a space uh, within that that serves you. Time travel, right? In terms of the times, not time travel, but uh, time zone travel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> time zone travel. Um, you know, makes things very difficult. I know that there are some tips and tricks out there in terms of, you know, kind of getting on the time zone maybe before you leave and starting to get your schedule oriented, you know, several days in advance, especially if you're traveling, you know, kind of more than eight time zones. 
you know, that one I think is more experimental in terms of, you know, what is, what is best for you. Um, there's some, you know, tips around, you know, not eating, uh, you know, uh, for a, like a kind of an intermittent fasting kind of thing during that phase so that you, your body can kind of reset so that you're eating meals, you know, on the new time zone as soon as possible. Um, so again, you have to kind of play around with that, but, um, yeah, I, I think there's a reason why moving, you know, to a different house, different apartment is one of the top five stressors. It's because you're kind of shattering routines, right? We have routines because they're energy efficient. And when you're suddenly kind of faced with having to create a whole new set of routines in a new place, um, it just adds a lot of burn in that regard. So the faster you can either A, establish new routines when you're there, or, you know, uh, establish routines that you, you do every single time because you know that that's what works for you. Uh, you know, is, uh, I think, a, a really good way to save energy. Yeah. And, you know, if you know for yourself that you need 48 hours to get yourself mentally right, then don't play for those first 48 hours. I know it's it's tempting, right? You're there. The last thing you want to do is sort of sit on the sidelines. But the last thing you want to do is go burn energy in a way that's going to cost you, right? Which is then going to cost you perhaps confidence, motivation, right? You kind of look at the longer term, uh, you know, downside risk to that. So take the 48 hours to get yourself acclimated, take the 20, 36 hours to get yourself acclimated, whatever you need. Uh, but I think if you're going to burn a lot of energy and have it then bite you in the ass, then yeah, the, the downside I think is not necessarily worth the upside that you're going to gain in that moment, you know, kind of fulfilling the excitement that you have. Yeah. I mean, you also have like regret and in internal angst when you play not on your a game and things go poorly that just kind of carries over for, you know, could be three to five days where you're just like, why did I do that? Why did I, I wasn't playing on my a game. I wasn't cognitively with it. And I still try to press it anyway. Yeah. Cause um, you were excited. You wanted to play. And yeah, I exactly. It, right? You, you want to get in the game, put me in but coach. I, but I think if you knew, I think if you knew in that moment that the odds were better than a coin flip, that you were not going to play well and that you were going to then have that carry over for the next few days, you could sort of see the downside that was going to occur. You wouldn't be as excited to play. <laughs> yeah. hundred uh, percent. And another thing that I struggle with personally, I have to imagine other folks do as well is you're in a new place. Um, so I'm, we mentioned earlier about how we're getting older. And so like my, bedtime is 10 p.m. 10 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So if I travel and play a tournament and I make it to day two, I'm awake until at least midnight and I'm typically hungry. Um, my adrenaline's up. My mind is, is still worrying and I can't just go to sleep instantly. I typically am going to bed, you know, two to three hours later, which is two to 3 a.m., which is five hours past my normal bedtime. And then I'm expected to wake up the next day and perform at a high level. So how, how do you go about resolving those sort of issues? I, I mean, is taking, you know, a few weeks before travel, if this is what you're going to be doing for a month and switching your bedtime up, starting to stay awake until later and later each night to sort of change your circadian rhythm. Is that an option? And what, what do you suggest for folks that are just, you know, it's midnight. We made it today too. We our adrenaline's up. How do we unpack and kind of get some peaceful, restful sleep so that we can recover for the next day? You certainly can start to change your sleep schedule, but I don't think that's a requirement. I mean, I think it, 
from a lifestyle standpoint, um, you could pick a couple of days where you do that and just sort of, you know, kind of, uh, kind of go through the motions of that kind of a routine where you then wake up the next day and maybe actually start playing online, you know, at, at noon, like kind of pretend it as a restart, but just to kind of go through it and feel it. Certainly for players that haven't played live for a while, you know, sort of a recommendation would just go, go play locally, right? You know, get yourself kind of feeling what it's like to hold chips again, right? To actually have to calculate what's in the pot, right? Just go through the motions, uh, you know, like a, like a football player that just hasn't been hit in a while. They just need to get hit, feel the action to kind of get themselves locked in. Deal with chip runners, stand in line buying your chips, like get on yeah, the board, exactly. wait for your seat. These are all things that like take time and energy and, you know, it's just acclimate yourself to it, right? Exactly. Yeah. But then when we come to, okay, so you're up late, you said you're hungry. So then I think if that's, that's a, if that's a thing, then I think what you, what you need to do then is it, you know, one to two levels before that, right? Let's say after the dinner break or sorry, on the dinner break, you figure out like what your snack is going to be, you know, uh, thereafter. So you're not hunting for food and taking, you know, perhaps like a half hour to find it, eat it, Right now you can actually eat something while you're now going through your kind of cool down, which is a big, big priority at that point. Obviously you want to very quickly kind of get yourself, you know, get the adrenaline to sort of slow down, get your mind to slow down. I mean, the adrenaline's there because you're burning a lot of energy to stay at a high level. Right. So it, there is a, a period where that is just going to take some time to slow down, but we can encourage it by pouring through some of the hands, right. Doing some kind of game flow notes writing down, you know, uh, things that you found interesting in the last few levels, uh, hands that you want to maybe look at in the future and really want to capture some of the details of uh, basically kind of do a data dump, right? Get all that stuff out of your head, right? And then at that point, right, just put poker away. If there's anything that you, anything else that you need to prepare for tomorrow, you can do it now, right? But try to minimize it to, you know, about a half hour in terms of total time. Um, for a lot of players, even doing anything that I just mentioned is, is hard, let alone a half hour. So I'm not saying you have to do a half hour, but I am saying that if you don't do anything, it's going to take you longer to actually get to sleep. So by not doing what I'm suggesting, even just for five minutes, you're choosing to stay awake longer and then, you know, kind of have your head hit the pillow and have your mind just continue to un kind of unpack those hands. You could actually kind of mimic going to sleep about, you know, an hour after you're done playing, like actually try to go to sleep before you're actually tired enough to be able to, to see what your mind might start to come up with, right? Like what ends up happening is, you know, you go get some food, you end up wanting, you know, kind of dicking around in your phone, you end up watching some TV and your mind kind of stays active and hasn't yet had a chance to really kind of unpack and unwind. We want to see what's in that unwinding to see how much you're actually beginning to kind of think Because if you do that before you're actually going to go to sleep, you can then maybe take some more notes down about what's what it's thinking about, because maybe you're starting to actually anticipate, you know, playing tomorrow and preparing. This was actually something that Diego and I found uh, in my coaching video with him on this topic, right? For him, it really was a lot about the cool down process after a big event before, you know, after day one. It was really about his preparation for the following day. He didn't realize, we didn't realize that that's what his mind immediately was beginning to think about. And he, he did his preparation that night, right after day one. And it made his time before day two so much easier. He had already done the work. 
So not only did he sleep better, but then he actually had less work to do in order to get ready to play uh, th that day too. Yeah, and I mean, these are these are greatness bombs, right? You're just kind of extracting things from your mind, putting it on paper so that you don't have to just ruminate and keep it all up there and think about it. Um, and there is a dollar value associated with taking this 30 minutes to cool down, to get all these things on paper so that you're able to sleep better and recover. Because if you sleep poorly, you're going to play worse. And if you play worse, that will cost you money. And so like, just bear that in mind that even though it may sound like a hassle, taking these notes or doing this journaling exercise at the end of your sessions or at the end of your day, it is worth money to do so. So there is financial incentive for you to go through this process. Yeah. And, and I would say at the beginning, it's not fun. It's hard as hell. It's the last thing you want to do, but just do it anyway. <laughs> there you go. I mean, if poker were easy, if performing at a high level were easy, then anybody would do it, right? So exactly. this, all these things that are difficult to do, difficult to prepare for, difficult to um, take action on are the barrier to entry to being the best version of yourself as a poker player. Exactly. Well, we're winding down, you know, my talking point about this Barry. Cool down? This is the cool down part of the, uh, the this is, this is the cool down. You know, the, my segment on Barry Carter lasted much, it was much shorter than I thought it would. <laughs> um, but I, I guess I don't know why I had my expectations set so high <laughs> for that segment. Um, <laughs> we, all, we all make mistakes. <laughs> so before we part ways, um, Mr. Tindler, tell the chasing poker greatness listener where they can get the mental game tune up for our tournament poker so that they can be fully more fully prepared for this slate of live events that I'm sure every human being that loves poker in the universe is chomping at the bit, you know, exactly. to go play. And it looks like the, uh, the U S travel policy will open up just in time for the main event. So, uh, yeah, jaredtendler.com go to the website. Um, you know, there's a link at the top there in the header. There's a new section called video course Drop down is there, um, add it to your cart. You actually can watch the whole video series on my website. It's all, all integrated there. And, you know, special uh, uh, coupon code for listeners. Just enter CPG and you'll get 50 bucks off the course. Uh, I will say, uh, I guess I shouldn't promise this, but cool feature in the pipeline. I, don't, I can't guarantee when it's going to happen, but this sucker is going to become an app. And you'll have the ability to download those videos so that you can watch them on your phone um uh, you know without uh, access to the internet right now it's all streaming you know on on the website but you know that uh, that feature is going to be in the pipeline and you know there'll be more fun features coming down uh, in the future but the course as it is right now is uh one of the most complete products that i've created since the the poker books or uh, well trading book too but for poker uh most complete products that i've comp uh, i've created and i'm i'm super proud of it and excited to uh get it in the hands of more players Awesome, man. I'm sure it'll, I'm sure it packs a lot of value and it'd be great too, to have it in some sort of audio format too, where we can, you know, listen while we're on the road or traveling or, you know, just buying in and sitting around waiting for our seat, just mentally preparing to, you know, go to war. Exactly. Cool, man. So coupon code CPG, get you 50 bucks off Jared Tindler's new video course, sir. It has been great having you on the program as always. Uh, look forward to having you on again sometime in the near future. It could be five sure. five months. It could be five years. I don't know. Like we said before, time and space is just kind of merging together. Um, <laughs> but I'm sure we'll have you back on in the near future. Sounds good, Brad. Good to see you, man.
You too. Take care. Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com to get the newsletter. Join the Greatness Village community, book a coaching session, or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.